Right. I am not. I'm not going out there. There's there's people out there. There's sirens in the distance once again. <laughs> my end or your end? My end. Oh, okay. At least I hope just on my end, unless we both got police coming to get us. Uh, I mean, it's always a possibility. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I've done terrible things. Terrible things I can never divulge. <laughs> Uh, the world will find out soon enough. That's true. That's how the show yeah. ends with you getting arrested. <laughs> I'll be in good company crime. because that's how that's how Killer Mike's story ended after he got three Grammys. <laughs> last you know what's interesting about the whole Killer Mike thing? Um, getting that? arrested is like I saw a lot of people like really happy about it on Twitter. I was like, yeah. I didn't know this was like a thing. Like so Killer Mike, as talented as he is, he does say some crazy shit. He does okay. have some opinions that some people take issue with. And given the type of things that he raps about in Run the Jewels, people want him to be more active in the black community, especially during uh, the the Black Lives Matter movement at the height of that. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. There was a moment in particular where the CNN headquarters was about to get attacked or not not attacked. It was about to be protested in front of and inside of and they called Killer Mike to come and talk to the community in Atlanta and advise people to go home, to return to their homes and and just calm down. Okay, And it's not worth destroying your home over. Now, that is a polarizing sentiment because on one hand, I can understand wanting to calm down your community, wanting to make sure that we're taken care of. There's a pivotal moment, and this is by no way a one-to-one comparable thing. There's a pivotal moment in Barbershop, uh, the movie, where Mm -hmm. someone is about to attack the shop and subject the entertainer's character basically puts himself in harm's way to make sure no one destroyed the shop because his best friend had taken his last pennies and grown that place to be a safe spot for the community to come and and congregate and that sort of thing. So some could view it as killer Mike saying you built up this, you built up this city, you built up this community. Don't put yourself and your livelihood at risk Let's find another way. Right. However, however, that that other way never was really clarified. And people were disappointed that he didn't step up at that time because it feels like his rhetoric, his music, his basic message across the board has always been, let's get ready to cause chaos. Let's get ready to, to throw down and do this. And when it was time, he didn't step up in that moment. Yeah, I, I'm honestly, I don't feel like I, I should have an opinion on that. <laughs> like, like that doesn't feel like my place to say one way or the other. I, I, based off of what you told me though, I understand that. Like, I understand the anger toward him to a degree sure. as much as I can through, you know, it's not um, my personal experience, obviously. So I can only 
Um, well, I understand you want to be respectful yeah. and, and, and you want to be careful about how this is approached, but questions are, are more than welcome. Let's take it from that perspective. Frame it in, in the in the way that you're asking questions about it, I think. Maybe that'll, that'll yeah, help I, get Yeah, I, I guess my out. question would be, you know, obviously you don't speak for everyone, but how do you feel about that? I feel conflicted yeah. about it because yeah. I do enjoy his music and he has been a part of the rap, the fabric of, of rap for a long time. Right. Maybe not as out loud as some other people, but you look at this current crop of rappers and hip hop artists, there's a lot to be said about what they're doing on a broad scale, what they represent for their, mm-hmm. for themselves, for their community, for music in general. You know, we talked a little bit last week about quest love and, I admire all the work that he's doing as a historian as he's trying to help these artists tell their story to right. make sure that none of these tales are lost to time after they got, they're gone. Because yeah. there was, there was a point a few years ago where we lost Prince David Bowie and some other important people to the music industry back to back to back. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, wow, that light just went off. That was it. No more from I- them. I think about that a lot, how we are just going to keep losing these, like, that generation that gave so much to, yeah. you know, the arts in general, like in, across uh, platforms and different genres and everything. Like, it's just, it's crazy to think about. It is. But back to Killer Mike, what I can respect about him and the reason why I haven't just completely gone, okay, well... He's a hypocrite. He's not for me. I don't like what this is putting out there. Why it's not as cut and dry is because I appreciate that there is some contradiction in his actions and his music and his overall demeanor, because it, to me, shines a light on the complicated aspect of a lot of things that you deal with when you want to be a a presence in a movement, whether it be black, whether it be men's rights, women's rights, LGBTQ. When you put yourself up as a figurehead, people are going to analyze you. Yeah. To a, to a, a, a microscopic amount. They're going to want to pick you apart. And people in general are not consistent. No one is. Right. And what's interesting is nowadays, I really feel like if you are not taking a political stand, you're criticized as well. So it really becomes a catch 22. If you're not political, then you're be you're privileged in a, you know, being apolitical. If you are political, every single thing you do is criticized or looked at in a, uh, like under, like, like you're not human. Yeah. If you're in the public facing, you know, I, I, I do genuinely wonder, I'm like, who are we going to have to look up to in the future when there's, there's no one, no one is perfect enough right. to be there's there's the center is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. There is less and less room to be someone who can genuinely say I have opinions that could subscribe to many different political views. Right. Because people are are, are becoming more and more aggressive. Some some with with reason. People are becoming more and more I don't want to say aggressive. I just want to say aware. The right. days of 
st- saying something innocuous like, oh, I don't get into politics. Yeah, that's that era is over. Right. You definitely cannot be that way there right now. Like that's you not, can't. that's not possible. Um, right. Even, <laughs> even if you're like, you don't know anything about something like you're, you're still supposed to research and know and then form an opinion and form the right opinion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this is why one-on-one conversations are so critical because yeah, yeah, you know, some may say that we as a society are more connected than we ever have been with the internet, uh, with everyone having access to it 24 seven without there being much of an entry fee to get in on that. Now, basically you have a phone, you have the entire world at your fingertips or so it seemed (laughs) before a certain person purchased Twitter. Um, Yeah, like you can still be as alone as ever and have the world at your fingertips because there's an overwhelming sense of not knowing where to start. There's an overwhelming sense of everyone being edgy for edgy's sake, for thriving in the anonymity of the Internet and being as mean as they want to be without considering the fact that there's somebody on the other end. There's some people that are attracted to that aspect of it and really lean into it and give in to a lot of the things going through their head that talking to somebody one-on-one would help to focus them a little bit more, yeah. I think. And that's yeah, just, the, I agree. I feel like it's, it's a personal opinion as well. And I understand a lot of people have garnered a lot of kinship from meeting people online and really finding their community and that sort of thing. Yeah. We, we've talked at length a long time ago, but we talked about it. We talked about um, the furry culture. And how yeah. people people say, oh, yeah, these furries are just coming out of nowhere. It seems like they're they're bigger than ever. No, these people were always there. They just didn't have a right. way to, A, define it, and B, find people who are into it as much as they are in order to thrive as a community. Right, and to find each other and, yeah, and to form a community in the first place. Right. It's uh, people. People have always existed in all of their... Um, particular ways. It's just now we're more exposed to it, you know? It's true. I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot of people can also uh, equate, oh, everybody's all of a sudden they're on a spectrum when it comes to their sexuality and that sort of thing. And again, it's not new. No. It's that people didn't realize that there was a way to really define or Correct. even come close to defining how they and feel. And also the people who came before us who fought so hard for rights and for barriers to be broken created a world that is not obviously not perfect, but it is more accepting and therefore more people are more accepting of themselves and open. That's you know, right. That's And this Black History Month, I want to take time to honor Lana Del Rey and thank her for her contribution <laughs> to this movement. To the Black she community. Was, <laughs> she was just sitting in her lavish backyard area with her best girlies <laughs> enjoying their Saturday afternoon when she heard a ruckus coming from down the street. It was a Black Lives Matter rally. So she decided to <laughs> jump in, show her support take lots of photos and post them on Instagram. And let me tell you, without her contribution, 
no one would have even heard of Black Lives Matter. So thank you, Lana Del Rey. (laughs) This one's for you. I I was watching something the other day and I could I can't remember what it was, but it was like it was like are you against like, you know, any form of protest? Like like are you against like Rosa Parks? And it's like, "No, she was protesting buses. We should all protest buses. They're <laughs> terrible." <laughs> I have I have a picture to send you afterwards. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Yeah, that lady sure didn't like buses. I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> what if her message was just confused after all this time and everybody? Yeah, just kinda... it wasn't about racial issues. No, it was just... it was literally just about fuck them buses. <laughs> they pulled the they pulled the Fight Club, you know, with the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it Project Chaos or whatever it was? Like, uh, oh, what's that? So. Yeah, like, oh, wait a minute. You you mean when we we only have a name in death? Like I'm saying, no, his name was was Bob. That's a, I'm just telling you what his name was. I see. We only have meaning when it comes to death. Oh my god! <laughs> Fucking Fight Club. Uh. <laughs> you know what's always interesting to me? What's like that? people that men in particular who don't know what Fight Club is about, like really about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> like if I'm asking you, what do you think? What is Fight Club about? Like, w- like the actual, like deeper meaning of Fight Club. What is like? What would you answer that as? It's a cautionary tale of toxic masculinity. <laughs> nope. And about consumerism. Nope. What do you think it's about? It's it. It literally is about being gay. Oh, I mean, toxic masculinity <laughs> factors into that, but the writer, like, like it's it's about being gay. It's the other side of you. Ah, okay, okay. Rewatch it through that lens. <laughs> it's funny because, yeah, all right. So it is a stereotypical. Well, I should say it was a stereotypical response of uh, men of a certain age. Mm-hmm. To say that Fight Club was their favorite movie because they look at it from right. that surface level, like yeah, men fighting each other and you know trying to uh, get their masculinity back and all that stuff, and that's that's yeah, you can see it like that, you can watch it like that. There's so there's many that, layers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's that that medium layer that I just that I just laid out where it's like, oh no, it's about consumerism because of the IKEA catalogs, and it's about toxic masculinity because you know he yeah. somehow brainwashed all these men to get behind his bullshit plan. Just because it sounded cool as fuck at the time, and of course the Dust I Brothers. I think the were- movie, I think the movie leaned harder into those themes of like consumerism and stuff like that, for sure. Yeah, but I wonder, I wonder, because you're telling me it's it's about it's about homosexuality. I wonder if Chuck Palahniuk even knew that when he was writing it, or if he discovered that along the way himself. Uh, I believe he's gay. Really? So wait, now I'm looking this up. I literally know nothing about this man besides he wrote yeah, Fight Club. Yeah. The only reason He's, I remembered his yeah, name is because I'm staring at the book. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But that was was that around the time the movie came out? Uh, no, out the movie came out in the nineties. Ninety nine. Oh man. Hmm. I don't know, but. I digress. We're 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 way off the we're way off the topic now. But we have no topic. This is all That's chaos. Right. That's our show. Everybody yeah. knows. Yeah. The show is chaos. Yeah. So Super Bowl this weekend. What are your predictions for the biggest sporting event 
of the year, Lex? I have no predictions. Um, I think the halftime show is going to be mid, as the kids would say. Ooh, that is a that is an interesting take. Why do you say that? I don't know. I was trying to explain this to Kayla the other day. It's just a feeling. Okay. It's just a vibe. Okay. We got a lot of vibe talk coming up soon, ladies and gentlemen. Stand by for that. Um, <laughs> I agree with you, but I can actually I can I can tell you why I think it's going to be mid. I think they waited too long for Usher. I feel like I agree. if this was ten years ago, sure. But the most relevant thing about Usher right now, yes, the man has made amazing music, famously promiscuous. Um, the most interesting thing of note about Usher in the past several months has been his involvement in Kiki Palmer and her spouse having drama. Wait, sorry, what? So Kiki Palmer is one of the world's biggest fans yeah. of Usher. She went to his yeah. concert. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like we talked about this, but it's been a while. Uh, she went to his concert. Oh, I remember now. Yes. Okay. Sorry, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll finish filling in the blanks for everybody yeah. that may not be aware. So she went to his concert. There's a segment where if you're sitting in a certain section, Usher will come and basically give you a lap dance and he'll sing one of his songs to you. And Kiki Palmer was recorded enjoying this immensely, um, singing along, looking in the man's face, getting real close to him, singing along. Her husband did not like that or her her baby daddy. I don't know if they're married or they were married, but needless to say, spoilers, that's all over now. The man got jealous. He fumbled the bag, which is disrespectful to refer to Kiki as the bag. But he fumbled big time. Right. And he lost out <laughs> on being Kiki Palmer's man because he could not control his jealousy. Right. And I no, I I forgot that that was the thing that was the catalyst for him tweeting that shit and everything. That's why I was like ridiculous. Huh? Ridiculous. Well, I mean aside from that, you know, the the jealousy was was on full display on social media. However, um there was apparently some abuse going on there as well, uh which is terrible in any case. Yeah, I think that was the straw that broke, you know, kind of thing. I don't think that was the only well she she's she has video apparently exactly so it was a open and shut it was an open and shut situation uh they ruled quickly in her favor across the board so yeah (laughs) you know i hope she's doing better yeah safe she took it in stride she was you know that story kind of went away really quickly too i don't know if it was just people actually shockingly being respectful of her and her family you know, I feel like her fan base is that way, where they want to be respectful mm-hmm. of her privacy. Yeah. There are certain fans and stands that get a little out of pocket with celebrities, but fans of Kiki Palmer, they, I believe they view her as down to earth and they want to help her remain there. Yeah. So they support her and just let her be. Yeah, for sure. That's but ideal. Yeah, but Usher, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm with you. That's how I feel. That's kind of why I think it's going to be that way. I'm yeah. curious. I mean, I'm not going to watch the game. Like, I'm not, I don't, I don't care to. I will uh, go on Twitter while it's happening and catch anything interesting on there sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. Because realistically, I only care about the halftime show. 
Um, I like, um, you know, Travis and Taylor. I think that's ad- adorable. So sure. I think, you know, seeing clips of that kind of, I always see it after though. I never watch the actual games. I don't care. So, yeah. Well, according to a certain demographic, everything is fixed. Everything involving football has been fixed. Somehow they coordinated over 20 men on a grassy <laughs> field to run plays a certain way for a certain outcome to arrive at this final decision here. The refs, of course, are blind. They're in on it, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, what this entire NFL football season boils down to, not these teams competing one against another for the love of the game. Oh, no. This was leading up to a moment at the end of the Super Bowl where Travis Kelsey will propose to Taylor Swift, who will then turn to the camera when asked, Taylor Swift, you just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do next? And her answer is going to be, I'm voting for Joe Biden. <laughs> that is literally the conspiracy theory that's happening right now. And these grown men, these weirdos are losing their fucking minds. I love it. Yeah, none of that's going to happen, guys. No. Like, regardless of what, who wins, <laughs> that's not happening. What I don't. <laughs> that's so weird yeah yeah it's it's pretty sad it's like if everything is woke However, and everything is oh go ahead. If, go ahead go ahead if this if this is true and that is a conspiracy that's happened it's that's pretty elaborate and fantastic honestly it's impressive old guys are weird about football that's always been the case guys are obsessive about football always have been always thing, will be in general yeah you know, I feel like that's yeah. why a lot of people are, don't want anything to do with sports. Um, and I always have appreciated the guys who aren't that way, who are very much like, nah, just come join the club. Um, it, funny enough, Travis and Jason Kelsey being two of those people who, you know, they have their podcast and they took a bunch of questions from Swifties asking questions about football, like, and everything okay. like that. And they're like, no, like they, I mean, they were answering like very basic football stuff and just going, oh yeah, this is exactly what that means and everything. Like being very, you know, kind uh, to new fans of football. That's cool. I respect that. I really do. No. Because I feel like there's enough bad boys of a certain sport, you know, people who are too cool for school and shit like that. Yeah. We need people who will be on the NFL, on NBC, on Saturday mm-hmm. morning and really just give kids like the bare bones of what it is about football that they love. Yeah. What what really draws them to the sport? That's what really endears me to, to athletes of that caliber. It's true. I they love both it. Seem, they both seem like very wholesome guys. Like that's really great. That's um, really great. And I mean, being put on the spot like that too, all of a sudden the whole world is watching you. Well, I shouldn't say all of a sudden because they were on. They're, they're already, yeah, we're already really big uh, football stars, but it's on a yeah. bigger scale now for sure. True. Very true. Especially when you become the second fiddle and not the main character, it's, it's, it would be emasculating for many people. However, yeah. I feel like Travis has taken it in stride and he has been uh, very understanding well, and, and you know, just a, an all-around swell guy. 
Yeah, and Kayla and I talked about that where we were like, he seems like he's always like genuinely excited to talk about her too. Like whenever he's asked about Taylor Swift in an interview or whatever, you'd think at this point he'd be done with it. And he just like he's like, nah, she's great. Like That's every cool. time. And it seems it seems really um like you said, like you you have to be very certain of yourself and very, you know. I mean, I just think that with anyone who's you know, very, like, very successful, and you're also successful, but, like, maybe not on that level, because who is on that level? Basically, yeah. no one. Uh, no one living, <laughs> at least. Um, right. <laughs> you know, you have to be, like, you have to be, like, no, I'm I'm the shit, too. It's just in a different way, and I'm totally yeah. cool with as much attention as this person gets. And it's, like, he gives off the vibe of, like, oh, yeah, I love her. Why wouldn't everyone else be in love with her, too? And I'm like, yeah, that fucking makes sense. I get it. I get it. Because I'm that way. <laughs> right. No, it's that's true. It's true. I'm I'm totally just yeah, I'm I'm lucky. I'm very lucky. I'm blessed. And no, I understand that. It's like you're like, if someone's like if someone's like, I love D, you're like, yeah, f- me too. Fuck. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm like, you're like, I love Kayla. I'm like, no shit. There's times where, um, you know, Dee would tell me about she's having adventures out on in the world. And mm-hmm. occasionally there's a guy that tries to step to her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's there's varying degrees of respect that are given in a situation like that. Like, of course, right. she's going to be honest with the situation and she's going to say, hey, look, I'm married. That's a no. That's a hard pass. No, thank you. Right. Uh, some guys are respectful of that detail other ones come up and say where is he right now i don't see your man around right now it sounds so stereotypical and hack but guys still try that and it's hilarious to me and it's like i can't be mad about the initial approach because she's an attractive woman i'm attracted to her of course other guys are going to be attracted to her so i totally understand that vibe it's the after the refusal of them still trying to just pursue after that. It's like, all right, you're not reading the signals right, brother. You got to step down. Right. Now you're, <laughs> now it's the, the issue here is once again, it has nothing to do with me. Now you're disrespecting her boundaries. That's yeah. where it becomes fucked. Like, yeah. you know, in that situation, it's not that like someone's hitting on your wife. It's that your wife has decided she does not want to be hit on. That's exactly. That's the key. I mean, anybody in that situation, if if you're told by no uncertain terms that your affection, that your attempt at affection mm-hmm. is not welcome, right. it's time to call it a wrap. You could save face and make it funny, but still walk away. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's That's it. And you never know. Sometimes if you take it in stride, sometimes the person that you are pursuing may look kindly upon that not d obviously but others right right (laughs) look kindly upon that and say you know what hold on a second there partner i might give you a chance after all right if you're just like if you're if you're cool you know that that gives off a good vibe Mm -hmm. um and you know you might even make a friend out of it or something like that i mean i don't know what people are seeking out there but hey you know that's a thing too yeah Everything doesn't have to be about hooking up. It could be about making a connection, having a friend. Yeah. But y'all ain't ready to hear that yet. Um, no. 
So yeah, Taylor Swift is okay. I think it's going to be interesting seeing the fallout from that situation. I don't get why everything that's fun and joyful has to be propaganda. I think it's just a young woman trying to live her life, trying to figure out what to do as she goes along. Because like you said, there's no one on that level of celebrity Mm -mm. she is. So she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing either. She's making it up as she goes along. Let's not make it harder. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. But it should be interesting. I'm sure there will be some some clips or something. Yeah. I'm assuming she's going. I'm assuming she is. So... I would hope so. If she doesn't show up, that'd be kind of weird. Just like, oh, yeah. No, well, she she's in Tokyo. Coming. So, mm. yeah. um, but I think Kayla said she looked it up and it was like the time different. Like there's enough time for her to get back for it. So, <laughs> well, whatever she chooses to do, I hope it yeah. works out. <laughs> and oh, yeah, the football gonna have thing. Huge I, hope that ratings. Well I mean, because yeah. people are so invested in um <laughs> But like what what's honestly what's really cute is that there are people who started watching because Taylor Swift was at a game and then people were like, oh wait, are they dating? And and then <laughs> and then they started liking football. So now they're yeah. legitimately like Chiefs fans who are just like really into it and excited for it. I just think that's adorable. I think that's really cute. I think it, it doesn't it doesn't matter how you get into a thing. Once you enjoy it, you enjoy it. I mean, there's an overarching story here. It's when you invite someone into your community and really welcome them yes. into your hobby, into your pastime, there's a strong chance that they're really going to get into it and you'll have somebody else to enjoy that with versus right. gatekeeping and trying to keep somebody away. So you can, you can choose your choose your path there yeah it's just it's the same thing with wrestling it's the same thing with dungeons and dragons it's the same thing with comics video games it applies to all that yeah if you want to act too cool for school and go oh yeah you don't know about this you're dumb (laughs) you can do that but you could also have somebody to enjoy that thing with What's a lonely ass. And if it's a more niche thing, like say comic books, that helps keep that medium going too. Like you should not be turning away any fan, really. No, especially with comics. We need you all, please. (laughs) Whether you read manga or American books, romance, superheroes, slice of life, whatever, come on through. You're naming stuff like Stefan. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's got everything has everything <laughs> right on so basically that's all i got to say about that yeah that's it let's move on earlier this week i asked you a question yeah i was a little confused by the question via text mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure because it doesn't it, i'm still i was still workshopping it when i asked you and that's why I started. Right. And I made note of my examples. exact question. So why don't you present it first and then I'll go from there. So my question to you, Lexar, what are five TV shows that had a sucky plot, but got by on vibes alone? Now, how, how is this different from a guilty pleasure show? Well, okay. I already had, I already take issue with the term guilty pleasure in the first place and in most scenarios, because I don't feel guilty about enjoying shit. 
if you, I like agree something, with that, but yeah. I still wanted wanted to try to distinguish because I was having a hard time distinguishing between the two in my mind. Okay, so I feel guilty pleasure. It it comments more on the quality of the show itself versus just the overall appeal of it. You know, as far as just enjoying it, but not really feeling like it was coherent. It's hard to explain. See, this is what I'm saying. It's so hard to put a finger on what, what I'm trying to say here, right? So I came up with a few examples. Okay. And maybe through these examples, we can both pinpoint exactly what it is that I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> My first example of this scenario that is not on the list, and I discovered when I was talking to Dee about it earlier because she didn't okay. know what I was talking about either. Right. Kayla was like, what? <laughs> Scooby-Doo is the perfect example of what I'm talking about. Scooby-Doo has been on for decades. But oh, you know okay. what the you know exactly what the episode is going to be every single time. Okay. There's a formula. And that's not important. The important thing is is that you're watching these fucking potheads and they're possibly talking dog or their hallucination of a talking dog solving mysteries. And you love it. Okay. Because it's a vibe. <laughs> okay. So that argument I would I guess the first thing I would think to bring up would be the show Bones. <laughs> oh, explain. Well, you're kind of just in it for her quirky character, but like the formula is pretty much the same. It gets campy when they have some overarching stuff. Like they literally made one of the main characters a serial killer on that show. <laughs> or a, okay. assistant to the serial killer, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> Um, <laughs> not assistant they, <laughs> serial killer, assistant to the serial but killer. But like okay. the, I, I think it's just like those types of shows can get that way. Yeah. Another good example of this that I weirdly I saw it trending on uh, uh, an example of what I think you're talking about. I saw mm. it like trending on on TikTok, so I watched it in the background. Um, the first episode of it and I was like I don't know about this one I don't know if I actually want to watch this show but like it's Desperate Housewives I am 100% behind that example that is perfect I, I think that's what you're talking about which is like I don't really know how this show was successful other than mm -hmm. like something about the way that they made it was very appealing and I feel like at the end of it, I was like, I don't think I want to watch any more of that, but do I? It's that kind of thing. We're like, oh, am I going to keep watching this show? So a show that gets by on vibes alone would also constitute something that you could have on in the background yes. and only have pay attention to, but still enjoy immensely. You're having a great time, but yeah. you're not really paying attention to it at all. You can't wait to watch another... the next episode, even though you're only half watching it. That's true. And there are some shows that get by on vibes alone, also have a sucky plot, but can also be very engaging with the suckitude of that plot. Mm -hmm. And for this example, I give you True Blood. True Blood is a very sexy show about vampires and rogue from the X-Men having a great time. True Blood is fun. True Blood is very fun. Yeah. It is also very stupid. But right. damn it, I was entertained the whole time. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I understand what you're saying with that. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. I think I put 
uh which oh gossip girl was the one that gossip i had on the list which which uh version the original the, the OG, okay. So, Not to be confused with the OC, but the OG, yeah. <laughs> so I don't think it's a particularly good show. Everyone knows I love my teen dramas. It's it's one of my favorite genres. I don't. I think it's like a really low form of that, but mm-hmm. there is something very popcorny, consumable about it, yeah. and the vibe of rich, entitled, like all of that. I think that's what it excels at. That's a good one. I like that one. I like that one a lot. I'll also give you this little tidbit. Part of the good vibes, part of the the vibe, primary vibe shows is the needle drop moments because it doesn't matter the plot. It doesn't matter what's happening. A lot of CW and WB shows, total vibes. Yeah. One that comes to mind that was iconic when it was on but not a single person can tell you anything that happened on this show. Miami Vice. Oh, yeah. Miami yeah, that show Vice. Was, was strictly a cultural thing, and I, I don't know a fucking thing about it. All I know are the main characters' names are Crockett and Tubbs, and they wore some fucking Dayglow-ass suits I don't even, at all times. I don't even know their names. See? But you remember it. It's, it evokes a certain emotion. falls under this, too? Absolutely, Dukes of Hazard. Absolutely, Dukes of Hazard. Um, primarily because it falls into that same subcategory that I put Scooby Doo in, whereas it's the same episode every single time. But right. it just it, it makes you feel a certain way when you watch it. A lot of older shows kind of fall into this, like the Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch, I'll get that one. Yeah, I'll get that it's, one to you. It's just the vibe of it. It's not really. Mm-hmm. It's not really a good show per se. Yeah, especially when they would go and like sing songs and that sort of thing. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I would say any show with an elaborate musical break also. So that that pertains to Scooby-Doo, at, of course, when they're doing the chase scene. At a certain point, Glee, for sure. Oh, yes. Glee they? was a vibe. Definitely. Glee, the first season of Glee is very well written. Like, yes. it's very good. So I would say out outside of the first season. Okay. Um, I would say this show, some shows, and this is this is a good point. This is a very good point that you just made. Some shows can, I don't want to say fall into evolve, it. but they can yeah. they can become a vibe show once yeah. they get that routine down. Um, from what I've seen I, of New Girl, they got into that vibe. Um, no, I wouldn't agree with that. I disagree with no? New Girl. As someone who's they had story them. beats on there that that As, mattered. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's harder with comedies. I think this whole this whole like situ like like idea is harder to present with comedies. Even if I'm saying something like the Brady Bunch. Um, now I'm man. This is an interesting question. I'm trying to think of any other ones. Yeah, uh, the the band based shows that used to come on HBO like Tenacious D. Flight mm-hmm. of the Concords, uh, the Chris Isaac show, which when I mentioned to you, you're like, I haven't I, thought about that show in forever. <laughs> I forgot about that show completely. You know, I watch a lot of YouTube videos about just little tidbits about, uh, you know, things that stations would do to try to form their own branding and that sort of thing. And at one point, HBO was just all about selling mediocre shows that were highly sexual. 
Well, you think back to Tales from the Crypt, Red Shoe Diaries, uh, even even Sopranos to an extent, but they had toned mm-hmm. it down by that point. It was really just about, okay, we want people to anticipate sex for this entire half hour show and only show them a little bit of it, <laughs> but make them stick around right. and feel like they're getting their money's worth. Yeah. I have a I have a question because I randomly yeah. just thought of this. When you mentioned the Chris Isaac show, mm. I, why I thought of this, I think it's a similar era of television, so maybe that's why. Do you remember okay. the show Father of the Pride? The CG show with John yeah. Goodman as a lion? The CG show about Siegfried and Freud's lions. Yes. Siegfried, Siegfried and Roy's lions. Yes. That, that ran for one year? Two years? One year. 15 episodes. <laughs> it ran for 15 episodes. It was... Truly one of the weirdest shows I've ever seen. Yes. And I I think it was one of the first animated show like like CG animated shows made. For prime time, yeah. Absolutely. Right. I I just feel like this show was a fever dream. It felt very strange. Um I barely remember it, but I remember it was it was advertised aggressively. Yeah, like it was they put a lot of money into it. And it was a big deal. And then it got canceled very quickly at the same time. Did it get canceled because of the incident with the no, lions? That happened before the show. That, no. I just looked that up because I was curious about that. Um, Father of the Pride. Hold on. Father of the Pride came out in 2005. The show was delayed because of the injury in 2003. They were already, it delayed production because of that, but they were already well into production and working on the show when he was attacked by the lion. Did you know that Eddie Murphy voiced Donkey for this show for one episode? Yes, and that is why I watched it as a child. Wow, that was that's that's so do you like I'm well, tuning in. I mean it was Donkeys also like it was also like <laughs> it was also <laughs> like a cartoon, um like a adult cartoon, which I liked at the time. It had lesbian gophers in it. I just lesbian wanted... gophers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That anyway. Um, but yeah, me. I watch I remember watching <laughs> it because they were like, hey, it's gonna have a crossover with Donkey. No, Which was weird. Hey, yeah, why not? <laughs> it featured voice work from Lisa Kudrow, Dana Gould, John DiMaggio, Dom DeLuise, and in what I imagine is one of his last roles, probably. Yeah. A lot of people were on this. It was it was a Jeffrey Katzenberg show. They really wanted it to work. Like this is one of the rare fails from DreamWorks. Yeah. At I that, mean, at that stage, he. I mean, he's a he's a legendary, you know, producer. Um. So yeah, it's it's just it's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Well, thank you for going through that thought exercise with me, trying to figure yeah. out exactly what I was trying to. So anyway, father there. the father of the pride, pure vibes. Pure vibes, absolutely. You know, I'm inclined 
to talk about the legitimate first mainstream CGI show because it is always in the back corner of my mind. And that show is Reboot. What a Oh, yeah. Show. I watched the first season. I haven't seen anything since. What a glorious cartoon that was. The CG was awful. And that is because that is all that they had. They were making up how to do this as a TV show. They were so far behind schedule that they would show reruns of that show. <laughs> like they would show two episodes brand new and they would have to go back to the first. They would show three more brand new. Then they would have to go all the way back to the beginning again just to give them some time to catch up because they were using computers that were more powerful than anything on the market at the time to make this blue man and his greenish friends go into a video game and, and fight for our freedom. It was a great show. Yeah. I, I truly, first of all, I want to go back to that for a second, but I need to go back to the Siegfried and Roy thing for a second. <laughs> you are stuck on Father <laughs> because, of the Pride. <laughs> wait, wait, because, because, no, because I went on that, I ended up on their Wikipedia page okay. and I was listening to you, but I was also reading about them both dying. Listen, um, I'm totally wait, comfortable wait. with the fact that <laughs> sometimes you just let me go. You know, this is this is part of our dynamic. You let me go. I, yes. Because you know that once I get on a tear like that, I, I need to get it out. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate that in our friendship. Um. So please continue. <laughs> okay. So Roy of Siegfried and Roy. Yes. He got COVID in 2020, April of 2020. And wow. then they were like, oh, he's responding well to treatment. He's doing well. 10 days later, he dies. He was 75 you years know, old. I didn't know they had passed away. I Both be of them are dead you. because okay. That, so here's the thing: that was wow. April, April of 2020, or no, I'm sorry, into May. May 8th is when he died. Okay. <laughs> then, fucking Siegfried, January 11th, 2021, he says he has pancreatic cancer. He dies two days later. Wow. They both died like less than a year apart. That's nuts. Man, rest in peace to those guys. They were cultural icons for a long time. Were they partners too? Like I, romantically? I think that was always the rumor, but because it was always like the butt of a joke, I don't know. I honestly don't. Yeah. Yeah. I know they both look like Ken dolls, like just different yeah, versions of Ken. they had a lot Ken. of plastic surgery. They did. And they were very blonde and very thin and just always smiling. Siegfried and Roy... Not Sigmund Freud. Oh, no. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry I'm making this a Siegfried and Roy podcast, but... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Siegfried and Roycast. This is episode 195 of Siegfried and Roycast. Somehow, we still have content to bring you about Siegfried and sometimes Roy. They're, they're constantly just labeled as friends. Mm, roommates, you say. <sighs> I don't know about that. Mm. That doesn't seem right. Travel partners. Yes. yes. Yeah. No, I think they were. Um, and if they weren't, why the fuck not? They were in Las Vegas. Oh, wait. This says, um, this Newsweek says that uh, the New York Times put in their obituaries, they were domestic as well as professional partners. Uh, okay. But they were reluctant okay. to come out publicly. So, of course. Uh, it's kind of still like it sounds like it's never really confirmed mm. 
Um, I mean, they were they were older gentlemen too. They were buried together, though. Oh, that's yeah. Sweet. Or like their uh, their location of their they were cre- they were both cremated, and they like their resting places in Nevada together. But yeah, just this little this little segment of Roy's story. Roy was born Uwe Ludwig Horn on October third, nineteen forty four. In Nordenham, Oldenburg, Germany, in the midst of bomb attacks to Joanna Horn. His father died in World War II, and his mother married a construction worker after the war ended. She later began work in a factory. Horn had three brothers. Horn became interested in animals at a very young age and cared for his childhood dog. He named Hex, a family friend, was the founder of Bremen Zoo, which gave Horn access to exotic animals from the age of 10. Horn left school at age 13. Like just that right there. Go like, be with why, don't animals. Have, why don't we have some type of biopic about Siegfried and Roy at this point? I feel like because they just died like a couple years ago, it's probably like an estate thing. They won't Maybe. allow it unless it's like, I mean, I don't know who runs their estate though. I don't think they had children. So I just want to get to the, the 10 minute segment where they have to sit down with DreamWorks and develop Father of the Pride. Like, yeah, that's what I need I an extensive. Say. That needs to be. That's the third act, friends. That's going to be the beginning of the third that's act. That's where, where the, the story really begins. That's where it's like, oh my god, we've fallen so far. Look at these lions. The CGI is terrible. I don't know yeah. what type of accent I'm doing, but this is how they sound in my head. <laughs> Weird, almost Barely. Eastern European accent, but not quite. Almost. It changed like three times as I was delivering it. Pay me no mind. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, <laughs> rest in peace, Siegfried and Roy. Sorry we didn't eulogize you guys sooner. That's that's terrible. We might have. I don't know. We've been doing this for almost 200 episodes. I can't keep track of shit. Yeah, I know what you mean. It all does kind of run together. Yeah. Hey, Drew Barrymore is uh, on her apology, not apology tour right now. I have seen this woman more times than... I can remember in in recent memory, she's been hanging out with The New Day, my favorite group from WWE. She has been in a Paramount commercial where she's hanging out with Captain Picard. You know, she's hanging out with Hey Arnold. That commercial was written by an AI bot. It had to have been. It felt like it. It definitely felt like it. But, you know, that's modern modern TV for you anyway. Um, Yeah. Seek out that Paramount commercial if you haven't, folks, because it's, it's, it's off the rails. You could not at the same time. You couldn't, but, you know, you're going to see it anyway. It's going to be all over the place after the Super Bowl for yeah, sure. Yeah. So you you know what well I am excited about? Side terms. note, Super Bowl movie trailers. I'm very excited for movie trailers. There's going to be a trailer for Wicked. There's going to be a Wicked trailer. There's rumors of a Deadpool trailer. Uh, so excited. Um, <laughs> Sonic 3. Uh, there's there's going to be a trailer for that as well, which is just t- it's tenacious in how it's been hanging on. I feel like they, they're cranking point. those movies out really quickly. They are, and I think in large part that's because uh, Jim Carrey keeps threatening to retire, and so they're like, "Please, one more. Here, we'll do it right now. <laughs> just just fucking get Ben Schwartz on the line, have him record these lines. That man we'll is just- not going to retire. He's just going to transfer to another plane at some point." <laughs> He'll never retire. He never will. Not as long as he can contort his face in the way that he does. He's never going to stop. And that's fine. 
he is going to be like Dick, Dick Van Dyke and be one of the, the longest living humans alive. Yeah. Just because he's stubborn. And that's okay. <laughs> that sounds like my nightmare, personally. I don't want to live that long. Jim Carrey living forever is your nightmare? I understand. Uh, I mean that, too. Yeah. Yeah, he is a haunting presence. Mm-hmm. God bless him. Um, yeah, I, you know. <laughs> we're not going to get into the existential stuff. Moving on. Yeah, we're not going to do that. This time. You know what? It's funny. It's the, This is the third act of our show. We get into the existential shit every time. <laughs> yeah. But part of the reason I brought up Drew Barrymore is because she's been having issues with her love life. That's right. According to TMZ, Drew Barrymore has been catfished on a dating Who app. Who hasn't? Yeah. Yeah. Well, me, because I missed that whole era. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> on an episode of Drew Barrymore's show, the actress says she was thrilled when she recently matched with a man claiming to be the quarterback from the L.A. Rams. Not because she wanted to flex on landing an athlete, she claims, but because she was excited to tell him she went to the Coliseum to see their first L.A. game. Unfortunately, her fangirling was short-lived because she wasn't talking to a Rams player. Drew told her co-host Ross Matthews when she reached out to this guy with her football ramblings, she quickly learned the cold, hard truth. He was nowhere near being a celebrated NFLer. Instead, she says he was a random musician who thought he was being cute about lying about his identity. Oh, that's crazy. I was going to say, how did he get on? Because she's probably on Raya. I'm like, how did they get on there? <laughs> random musician. It's just John Mayer or something. Yeah, John Mayer's like, sorry, Drew. I, I just I had to shoot my shot. I'm so sorry. I, I had to. I didn't know what to tell you. It could have been a meet cute in some type of like movie in the 90s. But now we consider that to be cringe, rightly so. Um because you shouldn't lie to somebody who you're trying to start something with. It's just not cool. Don't it's do really that. Mean. Even if it's Drew Barrymore. Yeah. I hope they make a Adam Sandler rom-com about her being catfished. <laughs> 50 more first dates. And this yeah. time she keeps her memories, but the guy keeps changing his identity to try to get her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. From the makers of Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh <laughs> Apparently, Sharon Stone has gone through similar issues. Being uh, catfished? Why are all these women being catfished? Now, this is this is from uh, the end of January this year, where Sharon Stone made this confession. Sharon Stone met a convicted felon and man with, quote-unquote, 20,000 heroin injections while online dating. Cool. Ooh, it's rough out there, y'all. Yeah. I do not envy... The singles. Be I don't careful. either, especially um, anyone dating men. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I get told, I, out there. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Men are scary. Yep. <laughs> All right. Speaking of scary men, Donald Glitton. No, I don't know about that man. <laughs> um, <laughs> the new Mr. and Mrs. Smith show just dropped on Prime the entire first season of it all eight episodes and i have watched them all i didn't realize it was all out i knew it was out but i didn't know all of it was out mm-hmm. they did a How simultaneous drop uh this was coincided with the new pricing plan for amazon prime video where you can pay them an extra 2.99 to skip all the ads and before we dive into mr and mrs smith i want to tell you a little bit about that so it's interesting 
the way that these ads are rolling out on there. Have you watched mm-hmm. anything on, on Prime since they started with the ads, Lex? No, because I do not have Prime anymore. Oh, that's canceled, right. Oh, my god! I gosh. canceled my Prime last you month did. to see what would happen. And I have still been holding strong. Yeah, you're not missing nothing yet. Spoiler. Um, it's just when nothing. I want to rewatch Maisel that I have problems. Give me the DVDs. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Come on. Come on, y'all. Make it happen. <laughs> so with the ads, the way that they happened, uh, the, the first ad that I saw was an ad announcing that you are watching ad-supported mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. Yeah. That happened on the first couple episodes we saw. The next night, we came back. There was a 15-second ad in addition to the announcement of you're watching Amazon Prime ad-supported. Okay. You can pay us $2.99 if you don't want to see the ads anymore. The third night that we went back, there were two 30-second long unskippable ads at the beginning of the show. And then, of course, once again, proclaiming you're watching Amazon Prime with ad support. Please pay us money to skip these. Okay. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It's just at the beginning? Just at the beginning. Okay. That's That's not bad. And it's a lot like Peacock. Peacock does that as well if you have their free plan. Right. They just give you a chunk of ads at the beginning, which I think is incredibly handy. If you want to make yourself a drink or a sandwich, yep. you know, if you want to look over to your That's loved one break. and say, just, yeah, exactly. You know, if you want to just like get some critical bio stuff done before the show begins, yeah. that's that time. I don't mind that. I just don't want, I, I don't like the interrupting an actual episode in the traditional commercial sense it's jarring it takes you out and modern yeah. shows aren't built that way to right. facilitate That's an ad break issue. yeah mm-hmm. right so all that is to say it's not as bad as i thought it would be i don't feel motivated to pay the 2.99 it hasn't gotten to me yet yeah i don't know if this is going to continue to increase right as we go along because there's literally nothing else on amazon prime i want to watch right now right so we'll find out when uh invincible Season two, part two mm-hmm. drops whenever that happens. Yeah. The show itself, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, it is definitely not the movie. It's a similar premise, sure. However, it is incredibly millennial and super geeky. Okay. Just like you would expect from Donald Glover. So if you remember way back when this show was announced, when it was being developed, it was supposed to be a partnership between Donald Glover and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. They were yeah. going to write, produce, direct, and star in the show together. And at That's some why point, I lost interest in this show when she left. Yes. And I read an interview just today where they asked Donald Glover why she dropped out. And he said it was amicable, but it felt a lot like a divorce because they've been friends for a very long time. Ooh. They've done projects together before. But the way that he runs writing rooms now versus the way that she is the sole writer of her projects. It doesn't really oh. mesh well together. Okay. That makes so sense. So they came to the, yeah, yeah. They came to the mutual decision that it just wasn't a good fit. She wished him well. He carried on, obviously, and we have what we have now, which is an interesting show. It's funny. It's, it's heartwarming. It's got a lot of action in it, surprisingly. And it stars not only Donald Glover, but Maya Erskine from Pen15 as Jane. I'm in love with this person, with this actress now. She did mm-hmm. an amazing job on this Did you show. watch Pen15? I can't remember. I know I told you, you know to watch what? it, but did you watch you it? You did. 
I have it. <laughs> you need to go back and watch it. Gee, I feel like that's that show. I feel like I am the person who is constantly going, please watch Pen15. And everyone's like, I'll get to it eventually. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> You're the reason it's gone. It's all your fault. I'm just no, like, please. I, I will say this. This is a good This is a good way to get people interested in seeing Pen15 yeah. because she's amazing on Mr. and Mrs. Smith. She really sells the show. I feel like there's an acknowledgement of the Brad and Angelina project at the yeah. beginning of it. I, I won't spoil it, but I feel like they acknowledge that. And then they kind of turn everything on its head and they say, no, this is our shit. Now we're doing it this way. Deal with it. And they own it. My biggest problem with the show. Mm-hmm. And again, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Is that after this first season, it can never be this show again. Right. This is it. <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to be a multi. I think it's a mini series, right? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I mean, it. It. I won't. Again, I won't spoil it. But if they got creative, there are ways to continue the show. Mm-hmm. But it will not be the same show. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because the one thing that I've seen coming out of it is how many people are like, "I'm never going to watch this because I love the original." Mm-hmm. And I'm. I didn't know. I did not know that so many people loved that movie because literally the only I saw that movie, but the only thing I ever remembered about it was that it was incredibly scandalous because they cheated and, you mm-hmm. know, that started Brangelina. Like that, like the pop culture part of it was what was famous about it. I didn't think people actually loved that movie. No, I didn't think so either. I watched it. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I didn't same. Think it was like, oh my God. There's this nothing is it. memorable about that movie. No, but the good thing about this show, it, it definitely has that Donald Glover production team mm-hmm. vibe to it. It feels a lot like, a, you know, lessons learned from Atlanta are mm-hmm. in play here. Hero Mirai directs a couple of episodes. He was oh, nice. uh, the, the director of a couple episodes of Atlanta, of course. Well, he was, I think he was the showrunner by the end of it, uh, along with Donald Glover. Uh, Stephen Glover, Donald's brother, he's involved as well. Um, Yeah. It's just a it's a it's a very well put together show. There's some beautifully shot scenes in here. Uh, they go on location to all kind of different locales. Of course, they're spies, so they go globe trotting, and right. that that budget is seen. <laughs> That's it's why no Amazon good. has ads now. It's that and the Lord of the Rings. They have to pay for it. <laughs> they got to pay for it. So uh, help Donna Glover. Uh, help Amazon watch the show. It's a good show. I really do think you'll enjoy it when you do get around to it. It's not critical. I can't say you have to watch it now. It'll be spoiled because no, just <laughs> when you, when you get to it, it'll right. be fun. It'll right. be a good watch. Yeah. I, I would say I have a recommendation of you should watch this as soon as you can, which is the movie poor things. We went and saw poor things last weekend. Um, in theaters because Kayla loves the director um, and really wanted to see it. And I was kind of going into it. Like I'd only seen one of his films and I was like, okay, like, let's see, whatever. Oh my God. It's so beautiful and weird and wonderful. And Emma Stone gives one of the greatest performances I've ever seen from an actor ever. It's insane. It's, it's, it's so good. And the reason I bring it up and I'm like, go see it is because I really do think if you can see it in theaters, you should. It's visually very stunning. Um, and it's a reason to go to the theater. 
Wow. Okay. I've wanted to see it too. The ads are, are very confusing and in a good way. And yeah. I want to see what's going on there. So yeah. It's to best it. to just go in, kind of go in blind. I knew a little bit about the core idea or some of the stuff that was going on, but not much. And I was definitely like, <laughs> where is this going? And I, I never, I never could have anticipated the, the through line of the film. Not to say there's like a twist or anything. It's not that type of movie. It's just, it's just, uh, it's, it was more than what I expected it to be. If that makes sense. Not that I had like really low expectations of it or anything. I thought I was going to yeah. enjoy it, but I didn't think I was going to like be as captivated by it as I was. I definitely, I look forward to rewatching it too. I'll have to report back. All I know is that Willem Dafoe and um, what's the guy? Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. They yeah. just have this this energy about them. Yes. Just this like, I don't know. There's there's something there. It's just very just like base and just raw about there's, them. There's one moment where Mark Ruffalo is just like screaming in mm. this one scene and it's so funny. Like I was losing it. Like I, it was so. It's it's a very funny movie too. Like it's it's not strictly a comedy, but it is it is very funny. Oh, Rami Yusuf is in this. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's really good. Cool. So yeah, I'm that'd be my recommendation of the week. I will check it out. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um. What else? Oh, that's all our that's all our notes. Holy shit, we made yeah. it to the notes. We did. We had some technical Close. issues this episode, but we did it. We did it. Wow. Again. Wow. This is this is a true achievement. I'm I'm just high fiving myself right now. That is not a euphemism. Thank you, folks, for sticking by. This is a fun ride. This is a fun episode. This I was a fun this. one. I'm glad we got to sit down and talk about Siegfried and Roy. <laughs> what more could you want from a podcast everyone this is truly we are going off the rails yes the this encapsulates the vibe of lex and matt this is this is the episode where we just got by on vibes alone because yeah. we did some greatest hits right here the, the levels of insanity <laughs> we will continue to go into this is this is a real Dante's Inferno type of thing. Dante's Inferno, let's go. You're now rocking with a pro, and that pro <laughs> is you, Lex. You are the pro. level after level. It's just going to get weirder and weirder. What are we going to talk about next week? I don't know. I haven't thought it Who through. Knows? What are we going to Google? I don't know. We'll, fight, we'll figure <laughs> it out. Wing it. It's like epic rap battles of history. Who won? Who's next? You decide. Let yeah. us know if there's anything you want us to talk about on next week's episode. You've got like four left, so fucking get it in. Right. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird having an actual end coming up and like knowing that you're like, mm -hmm. all right, that's yeah. it. There, that's, that's, that's that's an it. odd feeling. I'm like, how many more it, times will I be able to talk about Siegfried and Roy? I guess at max of four. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to make that work. Every episode coming up, just did you know? <laughs> try to find a way to incorporate Siegfried and Roy into it. I'm excited that that it's like a, idea. A, a kid, it's like that kid that everyone knew a kid that was like hyper fixated on a thing. 
maybe you were the kid, you know? Um, yeah. But, like, I, I knew someone who was, like, very hyper fixated on Animal Planet and just wanted to watch Animal Planet all the time. Um, and I enjoyed Animal Planet myself, but it was, like, a lot. Like, and um, the kid was just, like, very obsessed with it. Everyone knows that kid. It's, like, the kid who's, like, very obsessed with dinosaurs or something like that. Oh, God, yes. Right. But, like, I'm, I'm, like I'm, like, a dinosaur kid, but for Siegfried and Roy. I miss that dinosaur kid. We don't have kids like that anymore. Like straight oh, up because yeah, dinosaurs you do. used to be it. Dinosaur kids definitely still exist. It's just Man. if you if you raise a kid that's not an iPad kid, you know? That's true. Yeah. Like yeah. if you just, you know, keep them off the iPad for a little bit of time, they'll become a dinosaur kid. You just have to give them a book instead. I mean, it's fascinating just to to learn that these giant monsters were real at one point. I, I get it. I saw someone the other day on t- cuz like I saw a TikTok it was like what I thought um uh a T-Rex sounded like versus what it actually sounds like and the actual sound was way more horrifying but someone was like I haven't actually processed the dinosaurs were real and I was like same I haven't either it's it doesn't like like I know they're I'm not saying I don't obviously they're real but like have you actually processed and comprehended that they were like here right I know what dinosaurs sounded like. I know what a T-Rex sounded like. Me Grimlock, me hungry, me want fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. You did it. That's the one. Um, but back to your hyperfixation thing. I love that question you see pop up online every now and then where someone asks, what can you talk about for 20 minutes straight uninterrupted with no prep time? Oh, yeah. It's DuckTales. It's <laughs> DuckTales, DuckTales for me. Is it? It's DuckTales. It's wrestling. <laughs> it's Tetris. I mean, probably Game of Thrones. We've mm-hmm. had to. I've had to stop myself from talking about Game of Thrones a lot because I get very mad. And that's part of growing up when you when you learn to limit how much time you allow yourself to express your hyperfixation because yeah. you know you are dealing with a steady. I, disengaging audience. <laughs> I could talk about how much I hate Ronald Reagan for like mm. an extended period of time. You know, you know I feel like that could have gone either way. I thought I, you were going to say Ronald McDonald. I'm like, no, I think that, but I think that like, it's, it's almost like a rite of passage in life where everyone will reach that point with Ronald Reagan. You That's know, true. if it's you're not I'm, a fucking idiot, like you will, you will reach that point. He screwed everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Except for his wife, apparently, because she was known as the throat girl. No. Um, and he was just <laughs> mindlessly eating jelly beans in the corner. Didn't know what I was mean, happening. <laughs> Literally didn't know what was happening. Did not. Did not. Anyway, fuck that guy. But not you guys. You guys are great. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, I, this is this is where I'd usually say go tell your friends about us and stuff, but we don't care at this point. So whatever, it doesn't no, matter. You know what? You know these last few episodes. These are for real ones. These are yeah. for the, the rider dies. These are for the people who have been there since jump. Yep. Who joined in, have not let up. Thank you. This is for you. It is. We do this. It's all for you, Damien. It's all for you. Anyway, thank you for listening. I'm Matt Peters. (laughs) And I'm Lex Lutz. Be excellent to each other.